0: cool Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show
1: Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals. Concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences. You name it, Gold Star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50% or more. Go to goldstar.com and use code DCPOD to save $10 on your first purchase. That's goldstar.com, code Pod to save Ten dollars.
0: The following podcast is an exclusive presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Hey everybody, Ryan J. Pelton here with the Prolific Writer Podcast, and I am privileged today to talk with Michael Anderle. But before we get to the Michael Anderle interview, I'd like to let you know about one of our new sponsors here on the Project Entertainment Network, Bahama Jane's Beach Feet Sand Soap comes in coconut, peppermint, and naked, which has no scent. Keeps your feet beach ready all year long. I know the beach weather is coming. If you don't believe it, I know it's still snowing and raining in parts of the years, but it is coming. I promise you. Half cup of sand in every bar of soap. It removes calluses naturally, reduces and removes dead skin. A petty in a bar. Great for stimulating feet. Bahama Janes is a small handcrafted natural body product company that believes in promoting natural health and well-being through the use of the purest products available. They only buy ingredients from companies that do no commission test on animals, and we only test our products on family and friends. Bahama Janes believes it's okay to make time for yourself, and pampering is needed to keep you healthy physically and emotionally you believe a scent can bring you to your happy place as much as a warm breeze on the beach or the crisp mountain air can fill your mind, body and soul with pleasure. Bahama Jane's believes life is a journey and take all of its rewards and failures as moments to reflect. I can hear the pelicans chirping at the beach already. So go check out bahamajanes.com that's bahamajanes.com if you put in podcast in the checkout bar, you will get 10% off your first order. So thank you, BahamaJanes.com. Why don't we go to some intro music? Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, Hello, hello, hello. This is your Prolific Writer podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, write often, and write well in no particular order. It is so good to be back with you. Back in action, episode number 59. Today I have Michael Anderle on the show, and if you don't know who Michael Anderle is, you will very, very soon. He's kind of the godfather of indie writing and publishing. Maybe that's a little extreme. He probably wouldn't want me to say that. But he has helped out tens of thousands of writers and publishers and has a great story of how he began his writing journey, his writing dream, and how he started with low expectations, had a few goals, and how they have blown up in his face in a very good way. And Michael Anderle was very kind to come on the show talk about his books and the collaborations. And really, he's he's been involved with over 100 collaborations, and it's, it's pretty inspiring. So really excited to have Michael Anderle on the show. You are in for a huge treat, and we have tons and tons of great content uh, for you during this interview. And I was so happy to have done it. And so just a couple of things before we get to the interview with Michael Anderle is I'm going to continue to do the every other week rhythm with the show. Yeah. It's been a good rhythm for me just because of some scheduling conflicts, um, and some family stuff. And, uh, but it's been good. Uh, we, if you don't know, and I've mentioned it a couple times is we've had our fourth child, a baby girl, June, and, uh, we, we love her to to pieces and she is beautiful and we have three boys and this is our first girl. And, uh, this is our last child, uh, we think. Uh, and so life's been a little tiring, a little little busy, but that does not mean we are not still cranking out quality content and bringing on some of the, the best writers on the planet, some of the most prolific writers on the planet. And I'm, I'm so excited to share not only the interview with Michael Anderley, but future interviews that are coming and in the queue And that you're going to enjoy the next few weeks. And so you're going to be blown away and you're going to be helped a ton from these, these authors. And they were gracious enough to come on the show. So thank you everyone for listening in wherever you are listening to the show. Thank you for all the kind words and emails, and thank you for leaving nice, uh, ratings and reviews on the podcast, wherever you listen to the show. And with no further ado, let's get to the interview. Here's me and Michael Anderle. Hey, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is Ryan Pelton, your host, and I am privileged today to have Michael Anderle on the, I should say on the line, I'm not sure, on the Skype, on the something, and uh, he is a sci-fi writer, fantasy writer, and uh, started a fantastic writing group, 20 Books to 50K, which we're going to talk about a little bit, and has been having a lot of success, and I'm really excited to have you on the show, Michael, so why don't you say hello?
1: Hi, everybody. appreciate it, Ryan. I appreciate you letting me join you here.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I think what's really cool about Michael's story is that even though um, you may have heard of him, um, you may have not. And that's really one of the reasons we started this show uh, was to get uh, exposure to a lot of indie writers. And you're doing some really neat, unique things and wanted to kind of explore some of that with you and been having a lot of good success. And I I think uh, one of the things that as we get into this is people will realize is that you've also helped a lot of indie writers and uh, kind of shared your wisdom, uh, what you know, what you don't know, failures, all that uh, to help people get off the ground and figure things out. And so uh, we really have appreciated your generosity. So uh, so thanks for coming on and uh, chatting with us for a little bit. Um, Thank so, you. so why don't we just jump right in um, as far as kind of just let's start with the 20 books to 50k because that just is a, a unique title and there's a story behind that. And so I'd love for you just to kind of talk about what does that even mean? 20 books to 50k and kind of how that kind of s- Spr- spring sprung is that a word? Uh, your career and kind of your journey into writing.
1: Well, okay, certainly. Um, well, the the writing came before the the books. So what happened is back in November of twenty fifteen, I had released my first two books. The first one was on November third. The second one was on November eleventh. So about nine days apart. And in between that book and book three, uh, my wife was asked by a couple of close friends if she would officiate a wedding down in Cabo San Lucas. So while we were down here there, I had some time because she came after me and I was looking at some stuff and and I realized down in Cabo San Lucas that there are some really nice homes. And while we do live in a nice home here in Texas, the taxes for this home here in Texas were at least $1,000 a month. And so I was looking at that, trying to figure out, you know, I'm, I'm 50 or I was younger than 50 at that time, but 50 now. And I looked at that and I go, you mean to tell me that in Texas, if I want to live in the same home, if I get the opportunity to pay it off, I owe a $1,000 a month, period. And I don't get any food. I get no nothing. And it just kind of annoyed me. So I found out that in Cabo, for the same amount of money, it would cost me about $400 to $600 in taxes a year for this same level. And it's like, wait a minute. So I can be just three quarters of a mile from a private beach at a really safe location and a wonderful opportunity, and I don't have to pay $1,000 a month. In fact, what I found out was for about $2,000 a month, that was pretty much everything. $1,000 would cover all of my electricity, my utilities, um, <laughs> you know, just everything. Another 1000 would cover my food, and this is for both my wife and I. And that was it. We could live. We could retire on that. And so I put something together, and I saw that I was making for those two books about seven dollars, seven fifty per book per day. And I go, you know what? If I wrote twenty of these suckers, I could make fifty thousand a year, and we could retire here. So that's the the beginning of the term: twenty books to fifty k a year. Now I didn't realize that I could make a lot more than that, but. Uh, in some people, you know, not everyone does make that, but that's the, the genesis of the name. And so fast forward a little bit, I put out book four in, in December, book five in January and about book six in February, um, and March book seven. But I, I started looking at this and I'd been helping a few people in the indie community because as soon as I would put a book out, my fans were asking, where's the next one? And it got to a point where I'm like, you know what? There are some wonderful other books. Would you please stop harassing me? I'm writing as fast as I can. Let me see, you know, let me help this person. Let me help that person. And let me try to grab them and bring them in and and introduce all of these other authors because I've been reading them. For instance, Rick um, uh, Walteri, Bill the, the Vampire type, his books I had read a couple of years before and I got a chance to meet him and, you know, a great guy and so i put some of his book in the end of book 5 of mine and so i was just you know pointing people hey go take it go look here go look here and so where there were a lot of individuals that were espousing the the you got to work hard you got to work years to get a following you have to do this i just i wasn't playing by those rules because i never learned those rules and i'm pretty impatient and so when i started you know releasing book 5 releasing book 6 and by the, my third month uh, in January, I crossed five or ten thousand a month. So I was a five figure monthly author, which was kind of unheard of at that time, not terribly heard of. And um I was still getting a lot of grief on a particular website uh, that was visited by a lot of indie authors, and so I just kind of put it out there going, Hey, this is what I believe. I think everybody has an an opportunity to go up whatever the mountain they want. But if your mountain happens to be learning how to make money with your books, I'm going to go create this Facebook group. And when I did that, it was 20 books to 50K. I'd already had a few of the people, my fans, that were interested in writing. I was already doing, helping them. So we already had success. I'd already had three successes, four successes of four people who were had books in the top 10,000. And by doing that, um, about 80 people showed up in the next three days, and I just kind of freaked out because I expected to get to four more, not 80. Mm. And since then, it grew to about two thousand that first year, and then now we're at a little over eighteen, almost nineteen thousand people in the group. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's a great group. That's actually how I've got, gotten to meet a lot of indie writers, and you know, partly why we started this podcast was to kind of expose people that are having great success. And I mean, I think daily you hear. Crazy stories of success, and you know, and, and I think it's really, it's really cool is that most people have never heard of these people, and yet they're writing great books, and they have tons of fans, and and doing doing well, and and I think that's one of the the, the beauties of of the indie space. uh And so let's let's talk a little bit about kind of that production. You know, we're called the pro- prolific writer because we believe in being prolific. But but was there a point where you said, you know, I I need to keep cranking out the books at this pace to. To make the money I want, or was it just kind of your own ability, flow? Was it a combination? I mean, you didn't know any other. I mean, what? Why did you say? You know, I just need to keep releasing. I just need to keep keep doing this. I mean, was there anything in you that said this is the way it's got to be, or was that just kind of what you decided to do?
1: Well, I mean, at forty, call it forty eight when I started this. Right, I've had a lot of businesses I've tried to do over the years, or other. I'm an entrepreneur at heart, but I'm a failed entrepreneur at heart, meaning that I tried this and I tried that and I tried the other. And when you do that and you keep wanting to, when you actually hit something that works, you're all in because you know what failure feels like. You don't want to do that again. And so when I was at, you know, book five, book six, and I'm going from $400 my first month to $3,000 my second month to $10,000 my third month, you know, to, I don't know, 13 to 15k my fourth month, You know, there's a video out there where I I talk about hitting 40 to 50K in one month by July. So it it, part of it was, you know what, I'm successful for the first time in my life. And for those who know what that feels like, you know, you grab that and you ride that horse as hard and as far as you can because you know what the other part feels like. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a certain amount of once you get to a point, you start going, you know what, it's not about the money anymore. It's kind of like Monopoly. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to win, and you want to see what you can accomplish. There were a couple of months where I didn't want to write, and I'm looking at these books, and I'm just like, you know, I got the story. I just, I just want to kind of do nothing. And then you see the sales start to drop, and you're like, well, I don't want to do nothing as bad as that. (laughs) And so you get back to writing again. And then, you know, some of those months, the fans encourage you so much. When's the next story coming out? And you're like, you know what? I got to get this done because they really love it, and they're the ones who are supporting me in this. And I need to get turn around and make sure that I'm there for them. So there, you know, there were some of those months, but we, you know, it came in in 2016. Um, I grew 20 books to 50k, and not only myself, but there are definitely other admins and helpers. And frankly, now I'm much more of Uh, a a figurehead of what's going on than I am really in it because my publishing company takes so much of my time. I'm just not on Facebook that much. So but 2016 was at a macro level and it was helping a lot of people connect with each other and help each other. And that's just the indie community style for the most part. Let me clarify that and say 20 books to 50K has two rules. Don't do any self-marketing. We're not there for you to preach and teach and sell your own stuff. And don't be a dick. Uh-huh. And if you break rule two, you're <laughs> out of there. We kick out, we've kicked out thousands of people already. Right. And we don't always get everyone. And some of them is, you know, really kind of simple. But there will be times I'll get messages going, hey, I can't find your group anymore. And since there are multiple admins, I'm like, that's yeah, because you got kicked out for doing something and they banned you. <laughs> that's why you can't find it. Um, so 2017 was, can I, was I a flash in the pan? Is my writing style or something just unique to me and I didn't believe it was or is it something I can help others do? And so 2017 was a year of collaboration and building universes and and building other stuff. And the fans came along and have been so supportive. You know, we've been able to help multiple indie authors change their lives and they've gone on to change their own lives more. Let me let me be clear that it's not all us. So that was 2017 and 2018 we're retooling again. So we're looking at how to approach and I'm looking at doing things, you know, kind of starting over. I just started my own pen name uh for Michael Todd, which is my first and second name, because my own Michael Anderley name has 150 titles connected to it. You know, it gets kind of a mess when you're talking about prolific. Yeah, there's a there's a trip. So uh we're doing things yet again and, and we change. But now I've talked so long I forgot what the question <laughs> was.
0: Yeah, no, I it's it's um, I I think it's fascinating um, story because I think what you're doing is you are exploding some of the myths of writing and publishing and what it looks like and how it's done. And I think there's a a, a kind of a because you've talked about, you know, I I wasn't on Kindle boards. I didn't really know anything. I just kind of went you know, ask for forgiveness later, um, you know, you just kind of did your thing. And, and I think there's something important about that because I think what happens is a lot of, and I, I see it in, in, you know, the 50 or excuse me, 20 books to 50 K group is, is kind of like people get paralyzed. You know, it's like, what, what I do just, you know, tell me, you know, A, B and C, you know, just, just do it for me. And, and rather than writing yeah. the next book or rather than, you know, putting your butt in the chair. And, and so it's, and there's so much information out there and and so much going on um but it sounds like you just kind of jumped in and said okay we're going to figure this out and there was some success and i'm just going to keep going and we'll we'll move we'll pivot we'll do what we got to do as we as we go along um but where was that that moment um where you realized okay um well maybe l- let's go back a little bit so um, I know you, you've talked about just being an avid reader, you know, you, you called a whale reader. Um, and really those are the people that read your books. It's, you know, not people that like books on whales, but, um, books, <laughs> um, th- they devour, you know, a book a day, you know, multiple books a week. I mean, just, just heavy, you know, kin, KU kind of people. Um, and you talk about that, that was kind of your story as just being a reader, avid reader. Um, and especially fantasy, sci-fi, things like that. So when you took when you started to write, um, you know what was that? What was that first book like? I mean, you you talk a little bit about it wasn't you know obviously it wasn't your best thing ever, but but I mean, when did you kind of know like, hey, I think I can do this. I think that there's a there's a resonance here with with the audience. You know, who was reading it at first? Was it just your grandma and your neighbor? Or I mean, yeah. talk talk about that kind of when you knew okay, this is there's something here.
1: Yeah. So the first thing I, I should admit is I did not let any of my family know what was going on. And there's a couple of reasons for it. One of which, of course, is I don't think my family is as involved in these things as I am. And the second part is I don't believe that, you know, I, I was a digital and offline consulting and marketing. So I understood Facebook. I understood Google SEO. I understood some of those things. And I also understood sales. And the only way that I could ascertain whether or not I had anything was if, was anyone going to put money down on it. Because without money, there's there's just no skin in the game. And so when I put Death Becomes Her, the first book up there, and I and as a whale reader, and a whale reader by my definition is someone who reads a book a, a week. So 50 books, I'll give them a couple of weeks of vacation a year. And I've since learned that that's like a tiny whale. Then you have big <laughs> whales, the romance readers who read two to three a day. Right. And I was like, son of a bitch. Um So we so I was looking at that whale and I know that as myself, I paid attention for a year before I wrote that book because I started one in 2014. I got about 20,000, 30,000 words and I put it in the digital drawer. I opened it back up a year later going, hey, I like this. And to answer part of your question, I figured I could do this when some of my indie writers, the authors I was reading and I was enjoying, I'm like, I can write this well. And if this person has a thousand fans, and you hear that you know a thousand true fans will will make you enough money, I'm like, okay, I can do that. So that was part of it. Um, the 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 total story is that it's half bucket lists. You know, uh, right? Reading has been a major hobby, pastime, savior for my sanity during my whole life. So I of course admire authors, and I you know wanted the chance to do something like that. And the other half was I've got my oldest son. And little did I know my other two as well, but my oldest son is really talented in writing, and he doesn't have my personality that's just willing to just put it out there and do something. So I figured I would do my bucket list, and I would do it for him so I'd be able to tell him what it took. And so that is the the premise behind just getting Death Becomes Her, and then it became my business mind that says, I need three before I advertise. So I needed one, I needed two, I threw three out there. And then I'm like, okay, you know, we, I started a little bit of advertising and now I think at, after three, I started doing like $30 a day, $40 a day. That's pretty good money for sitting on your butt and typing something. So I'm like, well, let's keep this up. And by then I can already see that the scale is not like a little line going up. One book, 3 to $5 a day, 93 cents one time. Two books, well, 12 to $15 a day. Three books, I'm now at 30 to $40 a day. You know, book four comes out, I'm over $100 a day. And I'm starting to see, wait a minute, this is this is potentially real money. And it just so happened that during my consulting business, that at that moment, I had not had a lot of uh, requirement by my clients, even though I was being paid, to do stuff. So I had a lot of pent-up creative energy. And it just all came out. So... Uh, going back to Death becomes her and just seeing that progress move forward is part of what encouraged me. And knowing some of the digital sales stuff that I did, I knew that I needed a Facebook page that needed people. So I advertised to get people to like my page and Facebook's kind of expensive, so it's 50 cents a like. So it cost me a hundred bucks to get 200 likes on my page. And just moving forward and there were things that I took from reading from that previous year, And looking at what I liked and going, this is, you know, if I like it, I'm good. I do think that there are some who are chasing the latest um, uh, whatever's popular. And I don't, you begrudge them that. But the challenge is gonna be that if you write that way, then you never can find your true audience because you need to be able to write to what you enjoy and what makes you laugh or you cry. And if you do that, then you are your natural audience, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of where I went. I, I wrote stuff that I enjoyed, and uh, being older, I looked at it and said, okay, what if this series? What if this series becomes popular? Well, I don't want to be stuck writing something that's only military because I like vampires, and I don't want to write something that's only vampires because I like spaceships. And I don't want to be only stuck in like space opera in another galaxy because I like Earth. And I don't want to start from scratch. So I'm going to start on scratch on Earth because I don't have to change a whole lot about Earth. And so what I ended up doing was creating a multi-genre effort. And I had a long plan that said, okay, if I had seven books and I'm very, you know, kind of paranormal vampire, military, sci-fi type, or just military, these first seven on Earth. And if I go that long, if it's the popular – Well, then my next seven is going to move us into outer space a little bit. And that way I get, as you can tell, I get that new genre. And then if those seven work, I'll do this other seven where it's space opera. And I'm over here and I'm doing this. And so that was my grand plan. And let me tell you, 21 books is a bleeping lot of books to write. And I just finished number 21 in that series February 14th. And I was like, Thank God <laughs> and I immediately put up the book for the first part of the series and that's number equi- Effectively 22, but it's like uh, I should probably start with the one again mm-hmm.
0: and that's the the Car- Cartherian Gambit series or the
1: first the first yeah one. the first The first is Cartherian Gambit this the one I just started will be the Carthirian end endgame going continuing with the chess okay. names
0: yeah and i I love that I love the fact that you um and i I would say probably what you just said will go against the grain for some because I think you know writing what you love and writing kind of even multi genre um saying if i'm gonna do this long term i have to i have to love it I can't you know just write what's popular that's gonna fade and go away you know um if it's yeah, just vampires
1: just, were not popular right don't write vampires right. You know, Hell, don't write Vampires in Space, you idiot.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can almost, you watch, it's funny, you just watch our culture and you'll see like, you know, this movie, this book, and it's, it's just like there's like three of the same in a row, you know, same genre, same style. <laughs> like, let's, let's ride that wind for a while. Um, but, but I think you're also showing that you can have success without just chasing whatever, you know, whatever's popular, whatever's, you know, in, in front of everyone. Um, to say, hey, I really enjoy this world. I enjoy these characters. Now, um, so when you, um, I've heard you talk about this before, is the books themselves, the stories themselves, is there's there's certain elements, though, that really resonate uh, with the audience. Um, Talk a little bit about you've talked about this before, but talk a little bit about characters. Um, okay. There's something. I mean, you're you're the first one to admit, like, hey, this isn't Hemingway. This isn't, you know. Um,
1: I'm a pulp fiction writer. Right.
0: It's not. You know, these aren't Russian novels. You know, um, that are a thousand George pages. <laughs> but but you talk about like the um, the 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 place of the character, like it, they're character driven stories, and that's really important. So talk just give some just kind of tips, advice, what you the way you see character and why that's so important.
1: All right. And let me let me do a quick shout out real quick to Nathan Lowell. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or him. He's a he's a he's a writer. He's an author, um, both traditionally published and I think indie as well. But he wrote the um, the golden age of the solar clipper and a quarter share, half shares his series is someone. But anyway, long story short. I met him in Austin a couple of weeks ago, and I had my own fanboy moment. And I say fanboy versus fan because I didn't squee. I was tempted, so tempted, but other people were there. <laughs> but going back to your statement about characters, the reason I mentioned Nathan Lowell is in his series, particularly, is I looked back at you know what series did I like? What was it about these books that caused me to come back and read them over and over and over again? It obviously isn't going to have a new ending. I think we can all agree that if a book is there, there's no new ending. So you start, you start taking it apart going, what causes me to want to reread this? Well, it's obviously perhaps the action. If you're an action junkie and they have some really good scenes, but in general, it's because you like to be with those characters more than you do with real life. You're willing to be back in. There's something about those characters that resonates with you that those – maybe your friends, your family, and everyone else does not. And so when I built Bethany Ann and I built some of the other characters, I'm seeking that which I like to be a part of and I wish I could be a part of. And it uh, and, and includes snark. You know, I enjoy cursing. Let's talk about that one just for a second. I enjoy cursing. And one of the things you, you talk about, you know, breaking the mold is that was a huge taboo when I started is thou shalt not put the F word in a story and to me, language is just funny. And cursing is just funny. And so I took it to the nth degree in my books because I felt like if you go to a buffet, my books, but if you go to a buffet and this buffet doesn't use spice because they just want to be generally palatable, usually no one likes it. You know, someone with really bland taste buds. So I decided that wasn't going to be my books. If you liked my books, you liked my books because it was just hardcore, exactly what I found funny. If you didn't like my books, then I have a little thing. It's like, hey, there is cursing in here. It's hilarious cursing for the most part, but it's there. And if you don't like it, guess what? You shouldn't read this book. Well, even after, I want to say like 12, 13, 14 of these books, I happen to go into uh, an area of the Amazon website where people are talking. And and once again, I happen to see the same damn thing come up. How many F-bombs are too many? And, of course, one of the first ones are like, one is too many. If I see one, I close the book. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, guess what? So, sure enough, very next book, which I'm probably starting that next day, bought this. (laughs) And so I just go all out. And I'm like, you don't like one? I'm going to put a ton. In fact, they're the first word in this book. And I had some other things going into the book. And and, uh, that book hit, I don't know, 43 maybe 67 in the store. And so it was just my – indie outlaw attitude to say there are no rules. You know, we have books out there who have no punctuation. It's just one line. There are no rules in this, folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's only the question of what is your mountain? Where are you trying to go? You could be wanting a literary award. You will not try to mimic me in order to get a literary award because that's not my mountain and going up my mountain, my style isn't going to get you a literary award whatsoever, nor can I find a literary award doing it my way. So, understand what your mountain is in the first place. What if your mountain is getting into the bookstores? Well, it's conceivable you could go my route and end up there because I'm incredibly successful. And eventually, one of these uh, companies might or might not reach out to me and say, hey, can we buy your stuff? The problem is, and this gets into the business of indie publishing, the problem is they can't really buy rights without buying the ebook rights. And if they wanted to try to get my ebook rights, it's probably so dang expensive they can't do it. So, it would mess up their their what what they're doing. So I don't even remember why I was going down that route. But um, yeah, once again, lost train of thought of your question.
0: Yeah, no, just just the the role of character and the resonance. Thank you. Okay. The, yes, the resonation with with your characters and and why that's important.
1: Okay, so what the fans are what the fans say is, like myself, when they get involved with the characters, whether it's Bethany Ann or John Grimes or whatever it is, it's making them feel an emotional connection with the characters. And think of it this way. We as authors, our job is to be drug pimps, drug pushers, as if you're a horror author, your drug is thrills, chills, spills, those things. As you know, for mine, I I push justice, I push friendship, I push that camaraderie that goes and does the right thing, regardless of the cost. And so my fans are the ones who feel really strongly, as I do, what is right and what should we do? And you know what? We're not there. Another pet peeve of mine in books is the fact that so many books have 80 percent where you're just feeling horrible during the whole book. And then finally, at the very end, they are successful. And I hate that with the passion because I'm like, I'm reading this book. I'm a fast reader. So, four hours, five, six, seven hours, however many hours it takes me to read this book, maybe it's 12. But if you're making me spend 80% of my time biting my nails, which is an emotional situation to have me in, I'm not enjoying myself. And I'm not going to read your book, or I'm not going to finish it, or I'm going to skip most of it because emotionally, it's not putting me in a good place. And therefore, in my books, I release the tension. We do stuff, we get tension, we have fun, we relax it. We do stuff, we have tension, we have fun, we relax it. And so I want people to read and enjoy the whole book. And that's just a particular style, but it goes with your question related to character. Because there's a a thought out there, another rule, if you will, that everything needs to revolve around the plot, effectively the storyline. Storyline, 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 A, B, C, D, E. I don't do that. I have pieces in my books that have absolutely nothing to do with the plot and everything to do with the characters. Mm -hmm. An example would be I have a a group of guys called Team BMW. And there is a particular couple of chapters in the books where they have say nothing about the plot. And they're just recounting stories of what happened five or ten years before when they were young and stupid. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the readers love the characters more because it feels real to them that a couple of guys who met in the army—one's white, one's black—they go to this family town, they do these things. It's just real, and it's funny, and it's like, let me just let me just enjoy that again. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think you're—you know—you're saying something really interesting because I mean, if you think about like some of your favorite authors, I mean, Stephen King—he's one of my favorites—is. Yeah, everyone says, well, he can't write a plot to save his life, but but you love the characters. I mean, you you go, I don't care where they're at. Like, I, I just want to be near them. I want to hear more. And I think what you find out is the best books are the ones where we actually build out the the scene in our head. You know, because we're with the you know, we try to imagine. Like, we don't have to tell everyone what to think or what to you know what's going on but like let the reader readers aren't stupid you know let them enjoy just being with those like you're saying being with those characters and and you know and as writers like when we love our characters like we just want to keep writing these stories because we just we're we're curious to see where what they do next and where they go and what they say and and uh you know and i think there is something to that you said something very interesting about um you know making a story to uh i don't know what the words you use but uh you know you said you'd close the book if it if it was too stressful or too mm-hmm. you know and i think there's something interesting about that how people get get so personal with books and say i can't believe you know they it went this way or they ended this way or they did this you know it's almost like it's fiction but yet it becomes just part of us you know it's why we read it's why we go to these places right
1: yeah, it does. Let me let me turn this back around a little bit on you because I want to go back to your comment just a minute ago that you said about describing too much, right? And then I want to talk to to people about dopamines and other things that the chemical reactions that are inside your brain. When you talk about going into a room, as a whale reader, we skip forward a lot, right? And we have an enjoyment. So I would ask you the question: How much description would you put if if you know um, Michael Todd's going into a room? Right. What are you going to tell someone about that room? You as an author.
0: Oh, you're asking me? Yes.
1: yes, Yeah. What what, what are you
0: going to tell them about the room? Yeah. I mean.
1: Yeah. In other words, how much detail would you put in?
0: Yeah. I mean, not th- for me personally. I mean, if you're asking me, I, not that much. I mean, it's, it's going to be a few details here and there. I mean, you know, we're not going to go into, well, the, you know, the table was Brown and it was six feet high and, you know, and the clock was ticking. And the, I mean, it's going to be a few things to kind of set the scene,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: but not go you know crazy. Cause then it's like yawn boring, you know, you want to let the reader kind of imagine, you know, the, the space, I guess.
1: There's a couple of, of thoughts on this. I asked a, a lady, um, Amy Tegan. Because she writes literary. And I just could not understand the enjoyment of literary books. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious and I'm like, well, why? Why, for the love of God, can you please explain to me? Because I'm like you, I'm like, I go into the room, there's a table with six chairs and there's a, a grandfather clock and, and it has blue paint. Great. Now what? What's going on? That, I, I don't need to know that they have carpet and the resounding footsteps unless there's something relevant to that. And she says, for literary, her side, is that they enjoy both the language, just the alliteration of how the language rolls around in their mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? What we have here is just humanity. There are certain individuals, such as myself, such as you, that is that are cut out to enjoy this piece, we engage with the emotions, j- primary. Secondary, we engage with the action and the, probably the cool stuff that they have or their weapons or something. And somewhere down there would be the alliteration of the language. Mm-hmm. Yet others kind of flip that, and they're about the alliteration of the language. And, and when they finish the story, they start taking about apart the symbology of what's going on. And their brain is attuned into this a lot more. Now, I can tell you that most humans aren't like that because they don't sell that well. Mm-hmm. Ergo, <laughs> you don't have as much. Right. So, but um, the other part is, is the dopamine hits. And we as readers, we go toward a certain genre or certain genres for particular reasons. And the dopamine's in our head. When we see something, we read it. That is happening to us. And our brain will release that dopamine chemical. Mm-hmm. And we enjoy it. And we keep doing it. And if you keep providing that as an author, they know to come back to you for that hit. And if you change genres, well, one, a lot of people are reticent to change genres because they're not aware of whether or not that genre will give them their dopamine hit, even though that's not how they're thinking of it. Mm-hmm. And so we, however, in, in like this multi-genre, they don't know exactly what to expect because we've taken everything that they know and we have fed them things they love and therefore they're comfortable but then we're introducing this other stuff, and so that's one of the reasons you're seeing so many multi-genre hits right now of what's going around. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I if, somewhat funny story. Uh, are you familiar with the red wedding in the Game of Thrones? Uh, no, I think it's Game of Thrones. Yeah. So the the concept I believe is that there you know there's at one point in this storyline where half the cast gets killed, and they're just it's this wedding, and then they're there and there's a bloodbath, red wedding. And so what I learned very beginning of my author career is the fans loved it when I introduced a new character. If I gave them one or two new characters per story, oh, they were so happy. What's going on with this? And it was easy. It was like giving out free cocaine. Mm -hmm. You know, I give this out. They give, you know, they love the book. I give this out. They give them about book five or six. Now you've done it so many times that you have this, This group of 20 characters, 30 characters, and you're like, what the hell am I going to do with all these characters? And so you just, they just kind of disappear because they're not part of the central plot. But the fans are going, hey, what happened to so and so? And you're just like, oh my gosh, I've got to close out these arcs. (laughs) And you feel like, can I just have a red wedding? One wedding, we bring everyone here, we blow up half of them, and we're good again. And so just, I I want to caution that as you find out this dopamine, hit option that one of them is new characters just know if you introduce ones they love they will be around forever
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting the you know game of thrones i mean there's so many characters and none of them seem to live and uh (laughs) you know it's it's like a love hate i mean i hear people talk about you know whether they like that or not you get attached to one character and you know they're going to die so maybe they're just kind of you know preparing themselves but um it's interesting because I think when you write a story too, and you bring in a new character, I think even as a writer, th- there's kind of a dopamine like, oh, this is a, mm. how do they talk and, and their accent or their, you know, their mannerism, whatever it is, you know, their their backstory. You, you kind of get excited about it, and you're like, oh, I really like this. You know, it's it's very interesting. Oh, right. I
1: think you're perfectly right. Yeah. I mean, it, I hadn't thought of that. To be fair, yeah. I, I always remember the part about just it. It was a great, you know, the fans loving, but yeah, it it. When you have a long series, I can see that the the seduction of doing that, mm-hmm. yep. and to you know what, how do you stay with a series? You know, there were some people then in the beginning of, of twenty books, and I love they always I love when people conflate it wrong. Oh, you mean fifty books to twenty k? I'm like, no, no, for the love <laughs> of God, no. We don't want to do fifty books and only get twenty k. That would suck. Um, but they do have a situation where people were doing a lot of books and they were having success, and part of it was because it was. 10, 20, 30 different books. Mm-hmm. You know, no one knew what the world they were reading for these people, but the authors just had stories and they couldn't keep themselves in a particular genre for fans to get a hold of.
0: Yeah, that's great. I so so let's talk about so you you mentioned okay, we talked about character and you know, so how, where does plot come in? Where does storyline come in? I mean, in your own process, I mean, is there um, you know, an outline is there, you know, do you kind of know where you're going to go or do you just go for it? Um, you know, so what does that look like as far as once you kind of get a character in a room and, you know, see what they <laughs> see, what they do?
1: I, I have created, uh, so we'll, um, if you allow me, then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about like protected by the damned, which is the new series that I'm, that I'm playing with. And it, of course, is as uh, a advancement on how I basically created the first one and it got it. It got pretty right. But that is that you, you're setting up the, the the world a little bit. And for a brand new author, especially, it's easiest if you would go with our world and then tweak it or go with whatever's in the genre and change 10 percent. And the reason for that is is twofold. One, your reader's are expecting you to follow the tropes of that genre because that's what they love in the first place. But you need to change 10% in order for it to be fresh. Mm -hmm. So they like everything, but they want something new. Mm -hmm. They liked vampires, but you made them created by aliens. You liked this, but you did that to me. And so in that, I looked at it as a full arc. When I, when I realized I was doing 21 books I looked at it and said, what's the largest arc? And I made it very simple. Bethany Ann has to save the world from the aliens. That's the arc. Okay, that's pretty simple. Now I broke it into three sets. Now, mine happened to be seven. I wouldn't suggest that. We tend to do four now. But what's the first arc? Well, Bethany Ann had to figure out what was going on Earth and fix it. That was the arc. Number two, Bethany Ann's team had to figure out how to get into space and live there. That was the arc Number three, they had to get over to a particular area and destroy the Cartherians and figure out how to keep Earth safe. That was arc three. All right. Now I broke it down into seven. What if you only have three? Whatever many books you choose. And now you have to figure it out. And this is very programmatic, which is a lot of my background. I'm an IT in the back. So I understand what it takes to take a particular – task and break it down into the chunks that we need to do for each step. So when it came to the seven steps of, of Bethany Ann uh, saving, you know, understanding how to uh, protect the earth, you will first, she has to figure out what's going on. So there's a book or two books about that. And then she has to get her, uh, her team around her. And then she has to actually actively go against the bad guys and take care of them. All right. There's my three core arcs within it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right, so now we go with the first one. It says, Bethany Ann, well, we have to be introduced to her and get her started down the road. And then she has to get her team. And then she, you know, and then so that's how it broke out. Now, I happen to do it by just titles. And it's, it's interesting, but because I did not go through and actively, And by the way, this is a personality I've fig- I found out since then. Once I did it, there's typically two types of ways to world build outside in inside out. Outside in is those individuals who say, you must figure all of this stuff out about your world before you can start writing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a personality that likes to do outside in. Mm-hmm. I can't stand that. I'm like, I would drive, drive me freaking nuts if I had to do that. So the inside out is you grab your heroes, you stick them in a very small town, and you build your world as they find out about the world. Mm-hmm. The downside of that is you have a, a complete, generally speaking, no Bible to speak of, Right. So as you build stuff, you're writing, and you think this is really cool, and so you're typing away, and you're doing 20,000 words. You don't remember to take all that stuff you just just talked about with your world and transfer it to the Bible, Mm -hmm. and you get to be where I am, which is you're paying people to help you figure out what the hell your wiki is. Mm -hmm. Um, So, But where I was going before I mentioned that was because my arcs, because I didn't plan every little thing that was in each book, I have multiple times fans going, I never saw that coming. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, neither did I. Cause I <laughs> didn't know about it until I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the best.
0: No, I, I think you said something interesting there as far as personality. I don't think people think about that enough that, you know, we hear all this writing advice and, you know, do we outline, do we not, do we, you know, pants or do something in the middle or whatever, but sometimes personality does drive that. I mean, I, I think,
1: Oh, a- absolutely yeah. drives it.
0: And, and I think, you know, you were talking about outside in, inside out. I, I think sometimes we, even the world building though, I, I think what happens too is, is writers get so enamored with the world building that they never actually write. And mm-hmm. you know, and they've they've built out these you know you know we we have friends we have family we we have you know coworkers. It's like, hey, how's that novel coming? Well, I've been building this world for ten years, and I'm so excited to get it going. But it's like, okay, when are you going to actually do that? Um, so it, it's almost we can use that as resistance, you know, as a way to just say, well, I'm still working. I I got to get it perfect before I ever you know put a, put a word on the page. Um, but, but, but going back to your, your main point, I think it, it is, there's some great wisdom there. Those that are are listening is kind of know who you are, know, know how you're wired. Um, you know, I think there is a a personality, there's probably gonna be some book written about, you know, personality types and (laughs) whether you outline or whether you pants or whatever, but, um, but I think there is something to that. Um, you know, I, am definitely more kind of, I have the ideas in my head or I have a little, chicken scratch. And then I just go, I mean, I don't need a ton of stuff to go. And sometimes that's just me and, you know, experience and whatever. And um, you know, if you're going to write this big massive series or tell them, yeah, you might need to know, have some arcs and kind of go, okay. Yeah. Like you said, your main character in the end, she's going to, you know, kill all the aliens and save the world or whatever. Um, you know, th- those can be, maybe that's all you need to get going. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, what you said earlier about character is so vital, you know, people need to love your characters. Um, you know, don't get hung up on, you know, outline and and story and all that. But, um, but to say, you know, are they characters that people want to be around? They want to keep coming back to, um, is it interesting how, you know, I, I like, like Michael Connelly, like crime novels and stuff. And, you know, the Harry Bosch character, um, I can barely name any titles of a Michael Connelly, but, you know, but I go Harry Bosch, that's they Bosch novels. I mean, you just, you, you like the guy. He's weird. He's quirky. He's, you know, so many novels are like that. You know, it's just, I don't even know the name, but I know this character and you just want to see what they're going to do next. You know, the Lee child stuff, you know, Jack Reacher, whatever it is. Um, I think that's so cool. So, um so yeah, a couple more things, just as we um, kind of dig a little bit further in your story and we'll, we'll get you, get you out of here. But um, so one of the things I love uh, that you've said, and maybe you remember saying this, maybe you don't, but um, you, you even mentioned it a little bit earlier. But uh, you talk about success, and you you say you need to define what success is for you, um, because I know some people could be listening to this and going, you know, 20, geez, you know, twenty books to fifty k. I'm I'm trying to get number one out. Um, you know, I want to write a hundred books. I want to write a thousand, whatever. Um, but you say, you know, you need to define what that success is. You know, early on for you, it was like, Hey, I can, I can move to Cabo and, you know, this is what I'm going to going to go after or whatever it may be. Um, but talk a little bit about that, why that's so important for, for anyone that's listening and, and, you know, you hear these crazy stories of all this, you know, success and books and money, but, but, but how do you kind of define, you know, determining what your success is going to be? Um, I guess
1: the. You are actually aware of a lot of successful stories with writing, but most people aren't. I mean, for, for the, the true numbers are, if you include trad-published authors as well, most authors make less than $5,000 a year on their own work, and that has been kind of what has been thrown around. Now, we inside the indie community understand you can make $5,000 a month on your own work. That should be your minimum goal, right? Uh, because you want to to write full time. And it takes a lot of effort. I mean, when a trad pub person puts out a book, they don't have all the responsibilities we do. And so they get to spend their time watching TV at night, you know, whatever. Whereas we're on Facebook, but we love doing that stuff. And so related to knowing what your particular or the way I phrased it is going up your mountain. Mm -hmm. And I looked at there was probably four of them. Certainly making a living was one of them. Uh, Getting in a bookstore, which is uh, a certain goal. Being traditionally published is a goal. And then also going and getting like literary awards. And so for me, I looked at my goals and I said, I want fans who want to read, read my books and I want to make money. That's my goal. And so I was able to gauge my success based on that. And so it is so hard, and, and maybe, Ryan, you can speak to it if you've encountered it yourself, but it's so hard sometimes not to get excited and down on yourself because somebody else is having a level of success you never set yourself to go for. Mm-hmm. But it's like human nature to be jealous. You know, there's been times, and I'll speak to one particular instance in the summer of 2016, I think, there was a group of what I would consider my uh, the same age, kind of like we were freshman class together, And they were all going for their letters. And inside the uh, publishing community, going for your letters means either New York Times or USA Today bestseller author. And there's ways to accomplish this. And one of those ways is multiple people get together. They get an anthology. They each chuck in $500. And they do a massive ad spend across multiple areas. They get it. And if they're in it, they get their letters. Straightforward. And it's not like Like, you know, working the system like this hasn't been done by TradePub for decades. Mm -hmm. It has. That was never my goal. But so many of my compatriots were doing it, and I'm seeing their success, that I'm starting to get anxious because I'm like, oh, should I be doing that? I need – should I – what – you know, and finally I came to to grips with it, and I'm like, A, never your goal. B, be happy for them because they're reaching their goal. And C, get over it because we need to get the next book out. So – um, success, I think, and, and, you know, it's like looking at yourself. If you don't understand some of those rules of just comparing yourself to yourself, jealousy and envy and other – some of the sins, if you will, that some of the things that bother us is going to strike most of us mm-hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's, that's really helpful because uh, so many writers look at you, they look at others um, or just, you know, a story like yours and say, well, that's, that's what I have to do. Like that's, that's the goal. And, and, and yet when you kind of, we dig into your story as we've done for the last, you know, 40 minutes is we realize like your story is your story. My story is my story. Like you didn't start at the same places. You didn't have the same aspirations. And, and I think that's, what's, what's dangerous is that when you, when I've interviewed, you know, I've, I don't know how many people now, but you know, over 60 people, whatever it is, um, they all have s- such different stories and how they started and failures and successes. And and so to to kind of say, well, that's going to be me um, isn't always that helpful. Um, but I think early on is defining what that really is. Like, yeah, is it to write full-time? Is it to get be a bestseller? Is it to, you know... Uh, write a certain amount of books, you know, I mean, I started, my whole thing was I just wanted to have a book for my kids to have in their hand. So when I died, they go, Oh, isn't that cool? You know? And it, you know, whether it was good or not, I didn't care. And that's just where I started. Um, Mm -hmm. then it, you know, kind of grew from there and, um, you know, it was more about legacy. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about, you know, um, anything else. Um, so yeah, so it's like, everybody has to kind of define that and not compare each other. And, um, what I really appreciate about 20 books to 50 K is, Um, you know, really guarding some of that. It's a very encouraging community. It's a, it's a very, Hey, Hey, I made eight bucks today, you know, and everyone's, you know, celebrates like that's, that's awesome. Or, Hey, I made 8,000 this month. I mean, Hey, that's great too. Like everyone's kind of all over the place. And, and I love that, that even when people feel down or they're like, man, I've written 10 books, nothing's happening. What's going on. It's not this like, Oh, you're just a failure and you just better give up and, you know, do something else. Um, but to say, Hey, let's talk, let's talk about that. Let's figure that out. Let's see what's working. What's not, you know, maybe there's some advice or some things we could, we could, you know, explore together. Um, and I think that's where Indies, it, there is a, just a beautiful community for the most part. I mean, there's always yeah. you know bad eggs everywhere, but um, it, it is. You wouldn't place. take out
1: two thousand people if if that hadn't happened, <laughs> right?
0: Right, because everybody's desperate and everybody needs help, and and you know it's just too hard. Like, yeah, we're not sitting back, you know, having a cigar while our you know marketing firm you know pushes our <laughs> books out into you know.
1: On- if so, would you send me that phone number? <laughs> I really
0: would like it. <laughs> right, right. Um, so uh, just as we 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 kind of wrap up, and I, I want people to know kind of where they can find you and and uh, how they can or you can tell a little bit about kind of your upcoming projects or so many, but, um, let me ask you this one question. And this has kind of been a burning question because you've written so many books, you've helped so many authors is, you know, for the indie writer, especially, um, how do we find some balance? Because it feels like, you know, if I'm going to be successful or if I'm going to make a living at this, I have to just keep writing and writing and writing and writing, you know, it's like never get to a point of like taking a breather. Um, how do we, you know, I guess I could ask the question this way. What are you learning about that? As far as you know, you start writing a book every couple of weeks, you know, obviously you're not doing every couple of weeks. I don't think anymore, but, um, but, but, you know, how do you, how do you not burn out? How do you have a life? How do you not neglect your family? How do you, you know, all those kinds of things, any just advice you could give uh, the, you know, the, the prolific writer among us um, of yeah, just, what, what does this look like?
1: Um, I asked, you know, I, the problem is that your questions, which are really awesome, by the way, Ryan, some of your questions make me think back of just some of the history of what we've done in 20 books and some of the things that we encountered. And one time I just asked the question out there, you know, what kind of mon- extra money a month would change your lives? And, of course, I got some of the ones who were from Successful, and they, they named this really large number. But I was really going for was the person who said, you know what, if I could just make $300 a month, I could afford my baby's infamil. And diapers, and we wouldn 't be so stressed out, mm-hmm. and I remember that i mean i don 't remember much in the past, but man, I remember having to buy diapers and infamil for a new baby, mm-hmm. and so I think that a way to help yourself is to just start with small goals, and you know when we say someone is doing it fast, I presume that what you 're really talking about is using that marketing tactic of writing a bunch of books quickly in order to gain income right. Mm-hmm. And some of us would say that's, you know, depending on how fast you need to write them and what the size is. Um, I know of one individual who's going to do seven figures probably this year who puts out a book every six weeks. I I hadn't done that. I I was quicker than that. Um, But it doesn't mean that that, um, my putting it out faster was actually better than them Mm -hmm. because they were a little bit smarter than me and they did more research than I did. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has. But now let's take that down a little bit. Let's go back and say, okay, what do you need? You know, we hear about the seven figure authors. We hear about the six figure a year authors. But what do you need? Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that, you know, earlier in my life, my kids were juniors in high school. They didn't need a lot of, you know, oversight when I was doing this. And I already had my own company, so I was able to accomplish it. You need to just set your expectations to the real publication schedule that you can accomplish. Just be consistent. No different than in podcasting. Mm -hmm. You know, if you tell people you come out, it would be better to tell people you come out once every two weeks than it would be to say you come out once a week and then then do two every other, you know, on a Friday and then skip two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of it on this on the productivity is just get into a rhythm. Get your Facebook fan groups where you can communicate with them so that when that book comes out, whether it's 2 weeks, 6 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, you have an inbuilt audience. I look at some of the uh, authors who are doing seven figures or mid to high sixes who do a book every 6 months. Mm-hmm. And so that that particular book is 150 to 170k. And it's every six months, but they have a release on the other third month of an audio program. So, you know, 3 let's say January it's audio and April it's a book in July it's it's audio and whatever it's a book. And so they make it work for themselves and what they can accomplish is just continuity of being there and being available, which I think you can do on your social. Present, presently, Facebook's being very helpful. I don't know what it would be in the future. mm mm-hmm so work on that piece work on being consistent whatever that number is for you and you will get there and then work have your expectations be set accordingly you know if if you are going to write in a very niche subject i don't care how fast you are if there's only 500 people willing to read it and you got to find them in a, a world of a billion people good luck mm-hmm. right just let's just be realistic here and that's one of the things that i think that we that We've tried to explain to people sometimes is what is it you're really trying to accomplish and are you being realistic about it? Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that, you know, we have stories of people writing one book and being famous. Mm-hmm. We have stories of people who wrote six books and none of them hit until they came up with that one concept. What if what would you have? To, you know, would you be able to kill your wife to save your daughter or murder your wife to save your daughter? Right. That is an example of a hook that just took off. One book, and then there are different ways to accomplish that. So, a prolific author can be prolific from the standpoint of small stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I know of, for instance, let's talk about T. S. Paul, Scott Paul, one of one of the guys that I met early, and he wrote something called Wilson Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, clockwork, he had, I want to say it was like two thousand words maybe on his website, and about. Every eight to 10 weeks or something, he'd take them all down, package them in a book, and sell them. And he'd make money, even though he offered them for free the whole time. And it kept a lot of things going. Well, 2,000 words, if you train yourself, that should typically, for most people, not be more than a couple of hours of work. Is that fair to say?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: Is that, you know, that's pretty prolific. And yet, I think most of us could actually do something like that. And just, you know, I show up every Wednesday with a 2,000, 3,000 word story. And then when it reaches about 20,000 words, I wrap that up and put it into a book. And now I've got something else. But my fans could depend on me having that once a week. Mm
0: -hmm. No, that everything you just said is, is, you know, when I started this podcast, even having the title, the prolific writer, you know, we've had people that have written, you know, 27 books this year. I mean, that's not a made up number. Um, a book a month, a book every few weeks, and then others once a quarter once a year, and they 've all had great success and I think everything you just described is so important for everyone to hear is is i like you you said the word consistent and that 's really why I started this, this podcast was to say, if you want to have any kind of success, you know, whatever you, however you define that is just got to be consistent. And, and that's going to be consistent for you and your ability and your <laughs> capacity and your life stage. And your, you know, if you have little kids running around, it's going to look different than those that don't. And, and absolutely. You know, we talk Preach, a lot, brother. Yeah. <laughs> we talk a lot about that It's just knowing yourself and knowing your life stage and, and season and what you're you know, able to do. We have people that are chronically ill and can only do so much, you know, um, but, but again, th- to say there's, you can't be successful with four books a year or one book a year is, is a myth. And, you know, and, right. and some have to write 20 a year just to kind of stay afloat. And that's just the path they've you know chosen. And, and so, um, so man, so thank you for saying that, because I think you're going to help a lot of writers just hearing that. I mean, of anything, I mean, the rest of the interview was crap, but you know, what, you <laughs> sa- what you said right there was, um, was worth all this effort and time all the crap <laughs> going, we had to wait all oh, that so, time in order to get yeah, this final could, nut i'm probably just going to cut the, uh, the rest of it out and just <laughs> capture that
1: um no we're going to have the Michelangelo uh blip it's <laughs> yeah. just about seven seconds long and then i'm going to tell you about what else is happening <laughs> right, and right. publishing this week <laughs> right um
0: no no but but that's that's it i mean that's what success is that's you know knowing your world knowing your you know, what it is for you and, and, and don't compare, you know, your ability versus mine versus Michael's versus, you know, Dean Wesley Smith versus whoever, um, that cranks out books, you know, every other day. Um, so,
1: um, Dean's, Dean's uh, just a machine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's ridiculous. Um, so as we wrap up, uh, tell us, you mentioned some new pen names, uh, some new projects in the works. Um, tell us, yeah, what you're working on and then how people can find you.
1: Okay. Well, finding me is probably easier. Just find Cartherian books, um, Facebook group and, you know, we're on there. And if you message me directly on that particular group, I'll eventually see it. Uh, usually it might take, you know, that day or three to four days later. Um, and you can find me on there. You can find me on uh, anything Cartherian since it's a complete, oh, well, there's something it's complete, I know, you, I, I'm never going to get off. No, time to leave, Michael. <laughs> we had your one good thing. Um, but if you're doing a new series, one of the things I did based on my Google SEO experiences I looked for, was there anything with the term Cartherian anywhere on the internet? And the answer, of course, was no, completely made up word. Therefore, when I created it and it had even a modicum of success, I'm number one, no matter what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you create like protected by the damned is one of my new series. Well, I didn't go check that. I just happened to like it. And so now I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> how hard <laughs> is that going to be to get SEO for protected by the damned? Mm-hmm. Screwed myself horribly. But yeah, so I, I have looked at 2018 and I, there are some other things that I wanted to do. I didn't want them to get lost. So I created a pen name called Michael Todd, which is, you know, Michael Todd anderley but But um, so that that's out there. And it's it's. It's exciting, Ryan, because we do it, and all of a sudden, you have that new pin name, and that pin name has one book there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that same that same excitement of going, wait a minute, how many books does it take to actually go all the way across the author page? Is that four? Is it five? How many books do I have to get? Mm-hmm. I'm there. That's my new, you know, my new thing. I've got, mm-hmm. I've got to accomplish that. And so I'm really excited about that piece as well. But then I've got Bethany Ann, you know, that that's got 2,500 or whatever uh, pre-orders that I've got to write that book. I'm like, oh, gotta get back to that because, you know, Amazon will shut me down if I don't get that book out on time. Mm-hmm. And you know, just, just moving forward. I was reading a piece today in a book I wrote six months ago or whatever, so I forget. That's why I can reread books. I forget this stuff mm-hmm. all the time. And so I'm reading my own book and I'm like, man, man, that gets me, you know. <laughs> and so um but it, it'll get me excited to write that book again, yeah. I guess is where I was going with it. And uh, so you find me on Facebook. We have Guthierian Books. We have other websites that you can nail. LMBP and Publishing. Um, we're we're actually a, a would be considered I think a midlist author or midlist publishing company already. We do anywhere from eight to fifteen books a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Bayon Books puts out six or nine. So we're you know our goal is like hey let's let's start let's start kicking ass over here on the publishing side. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite there for everyone absolutely, but uh, we're we're going to we're going to be at SIFWA. This uh, May, so the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, and uh, I'll be on a couple of panels there, but we'll also be at the New York um, during the New York Book Expo, and the Audible Awards will be in London, uh, at least um, Judith will for the London Book Fair, and then we'll both be in Frankfurt for the Frankfurt Book Fair, and of course the 20 Books to 50 K, which probably will sell out next week in Las Vegas in November. And then we'll have 20 books to 50 K Bali in January, 20 books to 50 K Edinburgh next August July end of July, August. Um, Those are all places to find us.
0: That is great. Michael, thank you so much. Um, You know, one of the things I do, I'm so impressed by you is, um, and I think the unique community as well, is that you are so generous with your time and your experience and helping other authors that you've really helped so many people. And, and I, I, I can tell that's, also what gets you up in the morning. It's not just writing your own books, but it's also saying, Hey, how can I help others and give back to, to others? And, uh, and I've been tremendously helped and you just this interview Thank helped you. a ton of people. And so I'm so thankful to have you on and Hey, continued success and I uh, look forward to hearing from you again. And, um, and thanks for coming on the show.
1: I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, when you finish that 12 second blurb, you can send me that.
0: 12 <laughs> yeah, it'll be short. So <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Man, oh man. Thank you, Michael Anderley for coming on the Prolific Writer Show. Man, so much good content, so much to learn from his process, what he's learning about storytelling, putting books together, putting characters together, how he's helping out so many authors and publishers get their work out of the world. Thank you, Michael Anderley You are a huge blessing to those that uh, in the writing community. So thank you for coming on the show. And hey, if you could do me two... Favors. I I don't try to ask for much, but two favors. One, go check out the other podcasts on the project entertainment network. There are dozens of shows, shows on cooking, shows on faith, shows on writing and pop culture, all kinds of great stuff. Go check out projectentertainmentnetwork.com. We are privileged to be part of this network. So go check them out. I'm going to have a little promo at the end of this little spiel. You can check out a, a, a show that maybe you haven't heard of. And If you could leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to this, that would really bless us a ton and help get this show out into the world. And uh, you know how reviews go, just like writing and publishing, reviews help us a ton. So thank you for listening in. Thank you for digging in, listening in. We have a ton of great interviews coming in the coming weeks. I'm so excited to share those with you. So hang with us. And before I sign off, and before I let you in on a little blurb, a little podcast blurb, go read a lot, and go write a lot. That's all I ask. Ryan J. Pelton, Prolific Writer Podcast, and I'm out.
1: Once upon a time, a madman poet and thief known as John Urbansik, that's me, challenged himself, myself, to write a story a day, every day, for a year, by hand. Some of them worked. Some of them failed. Some of them were spectacular. then I did it again.
0: Join me every week for
1: ink stains as I do it a third time. And I will read you some of these stories. I'll talk about the process, about creativity in general, writing in specific, and maybe I can help ignite your
0: artistic adventures.
1: This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.